Hello, and welcome to a new podcast for the Lancet Gastroenterology and Hepatology. I'm Gavin Cleaver. Our July 2018 issue is out today, and in the issue we have a paper on eosinophilic esophagitis endotype classification. I'm delighted to have on the line with me the lead author of this study, Professor Mark Rothenberg. So, Professor Rothenberg, could you set the stage for us by just briefly telling us a little bit about eosinophilic esophagitis? How many people does it affect, and how is it managed clinically? Yes, eosinophilic esophagitis is an emerging disease that's becoming increasingly recognized in the gastroenterology and allergy and pathology communities. The disease is uh, still certainly considered a rare disorder, occurring in about 1 in 2,000 individuals. It can present at any age. It can transition from childhood into adulthood, and it's generally considered a chronic disease involving upper GI symptoms, but primarily related to gastrointestinal dysfunction of the esophagus. The symptoms can vary as dependent, dependent upon a patient's age, and the disease is certainly a chronic disease. It does respond to therapy, but it does uh, wax and wane depending upon therapy. We do now appreciate that it's associated with allergic uh, manifestations, allergic etiology. The disease is triggered by immune hypersensitivity, particularly allergic inflammation to food antigens. And uh, unlike classic food allergy, the disease is typically associated with multiple foods that trigger the immune hypersensitivity. So in your particular study, could you tell us just a little bit about the approach you took to address the clinical heterogeneity among your patients and, and what the results tell us in this regard? Yes, the study that we reported is um, a product of the consortium of the Istanbul Gastrointestinal Disease Researchers, which I direct, which is uh, also known as SEGER, the acronym. SEGER is a um, consortium that belongs to the NIH Rare Disease Research Consortium Network, the RDCRN. It's one of 21 rare diseases selected by the NIH for intensive um, research investigation. There are 14 sites um, primarily in the U.S., one site in Europe um, that's conducting research on the etiology, the best treatment, as well as um, the training of the next generation of uh, experts taking care of these diseases. The consortium also partners with patient advocacy groups. In this particular study, um, which is part of the longitudinal study that's focused on these uh, constellation of diseases that we call the eosinophilic gastrointestinal disease, or EGID, we looked at one of the types that's the most common, eosinophilic esophagitis. We examined across all sites various features of the disease using standardized measurements, particularly related to um, molecular profiling of the esophageal biopsies with a panel um, that's called an eosinophilic esophagitis diagnostic panel, which consists of 96 informative transcripts. We also used um, standardized procedures across our consortium involving endoscopic um, reports and, and reference scores, known as the EOE Endoscopic Reference Score, or EREFs, as well as a validated histological scoring system, the HSS. We performed these on approximately 185 um, samples derived from patients of all ages, and uh, we found some important um, information. First, uh, we did show uh, that the consortium could um, use these platforms across sites that there was very uh, strong intersite consistency. Second, we were able to demonstrate that the EDP, or the molecular profiling, did correlate very strongly with different domains in both the HSS, the histology, as well as the EREFs. 
we particularly associated basal zone hyperplasia, which is one of the marking features of the histology, with um, certain molecular characteristics of the EDP. We also found that five different uh, EREF features, particularly distal furrows, correlated with the uh, EDP. In the course of analysis of this information, we uncovered that there were three main clusters of um, these uh, disease features at the, both the molecular, uh, pathological, endoscopic, and clinical um, level that segregated distinctly using a variety of um, modeling systems, both mathematically and, and, inf and uh, in terms of computational uh, bioinformatics. We uh, identified in this um, analysis that there were three endotypes, which were basically phenotypes of the patients that were associated with these molecular changes, um, which is how we define endotype compared to the classic uh, subtyping of patients. And um, we designated these three endotypes, EOE1, EOE2, and EOE3. EOE1 was more benign finding, which um, certainly had classic findings of EOE, but tended to be relatively mild compared to the other two endotypes. EOE endotype 2 showed inflammatory and steroid refractory phenotype and had the highest expression of um, inflammatory cytokines and steroid responding genes, whereas EOE3 was associated with nalocalibre esophagus and showed the highest degree of endoscopic and histological severity and the lowest expression of some of the genes involved in epithelial cell differentiation. So these uh, findings um, were subsequently replicated in an independent validation cohort using an EOE endotype prediction algorithm, and um, this indicated that these results were not specific to the initial analysis, but they could be more generalized. So the notion of these kind of distinct disease endotypes has precedent in other diseases like asthma. How, how did identification of distinct disease endotypes shape clinical research and approach patient therapy in that field? Endotypes have really begun to impact a number of different diseases. Focusing on asthma, it's now appreciated um, that asthma is not one size fits all. It's not just mild, moderate, and, and severe, as we tend to think with a lot of diseases, but that there are different disease features defined by biomarkers that associate uh, with different prognosis, but most importantly right now in the asthma field with different responses to different therapies. So uh, relevant to this article, um, focusing on an EOE, on an asthma endotype called the uh, eosinophilic asthma variant, uh, which is defined by in elevated levels of eosinophils. This particular endotype uh, is very important now because it's typically associated with more moderate and severe asthma, and most notably the new class of asthma medications that's been approved, the anti-eosinophil therapeutics, are particularly effective in eosinophilic asthma groups. So the drugs or the biologics now against the IL-5 neutralizing IL-5 or against the IL-5 receptor, which depletes eosinophils, are particularly indicated for patients with this endotype of asthma. We do anticipate that now we can think with our findings in this report that eosinophilic esophagitis can also be uh, potentially uh, subjected to um, endotype-specific uh, treatments and prognosis. So perhaps you could unpack that for us a little bit. So what, what are some of these future implications of, the, of your study in terms of treatment and the notion of kind of personalized medicine for EOE? Right now, if a patient presents with EOE, um, most of the the pres most of the treatment is based on just quantifying the eosinophil levels in the biopsy. And um, it's been generally um, thought that the, the levels of eosinophils uh, correlates with the severity 
and uh, potentially uh, the dictate, and this dictates the um, aggressiveness of the therapy. What we found in the current paper was that despite the three different endotypes, eosinophils were relatively similar between the three endotypes. This data shows that the different endotypes are uh, potentially, are certainly associated with different molecular pathways. They have different clinical uh, clusterings. As I mentioned earlier, the steroid resistance um, and the fibrosthenotic complications. And this uh, allows us to consider the framework for personalized medicine for EOE, similar to what I described previously related to asthma. So looking to the future then, uh, for you, what are some of the unanswered questions that you kind of see as a priority for future research? Future research on EOE, um, particularly related to these findings, is to improve the lives of the patients suffering from this still unmet medical disease that still doesn't have any approved therapy by the FDA in in the United States, although steroids have just recently been approved in uh, Europe. So we really need to um, advance um, the treatment of this disease from one that's uh, done fairly empirically with steroids, topical usage of steroids, which is a general nonspecific treatment for uh, inflammatory diseases, and also not focusing only on diet therapy, which is uh, very hard for the patients to um, comply with. As I mentioned earlier, too, it's important to note that the current therapy is only associated with, um, with induction of disease um, resolution, but not uh, complete remission. In other words, the patients will relapse when the, when the therapy is withdrawn. So the research now is focusing on improving our treatment options for the patients, getting um, therapies approved based on molecular um, appreciation of the patients, and then tailor-designing the therapies, whether it 